welcome, Pathfolk, to the actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path, yada, 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 blah, 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 after Party 51. So close. <laughs> We're Find the Path podcast. <laughs> yep. Yep. I can never remember what it is. Y'all know why you're here by this every point. I to it every episode from you, Rick. It's ingrained in my brain at this point. fifty times. Do you think that I pay attention to the intro at all anymore? I always do because I've got to have some kind of quip. I have to say woohoo at the right time. <laughs> I have to wow. try to beat Jordan for the quip. I know. It's a competition. <laughs> Anyway, these are important things. While Heather boots up, everyone else does these. <laughs> wow. Anyway, are you like Heather a robot. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, this after party covers one fifty one, one fifty two, and one fifty three. Yep. Shenanigans. Yeah. The sh- yes, the shenanigan trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> kind of the the book four wrap up. Yeah, episodes. episode yeah. one fifty one was utter shenanigans. Sudi was, was insane. Fun. Citra was feeble-minded and it was a bad time all around yeah. actually <laughs> you got to see the uh, the Masika Hollis mess around like we got to do some shenanigans and it was very fun. I mean I feel like the plan worked and it was pretty ingenious but it was still shenanigans oh my and god and for once my bad dice luck worked in my favor we uh we dimension doored Sudi into another room and used sugar and Narmer as communication devices. <laughs> they're walkie talkies. <laughs> like yeah, they're walkie talkies. <laughs> they can walkie and talkie. <laughs> oh, that's even better. Oh man. Wow. Yeah. But Sudi got trapped in a room because we couldn't deal with his insanity. And I would have eventually killed one or both of you. I, he almost, you almost knocked. I got, re- I was gonna say, I got surprisingly <laughs> close to to knocking Masika out. Yeah, that sure. too. That was my big fear was that I was gonna be the downfall of the party and be like the murder machine that killed a everybody. No, we like, you uh, in it's a everybody room. but Sudi, and then Sudi's permanently in, uh, confused. It's like, oh, you're man, the big bad like, of the next group. I, I was the big bad. It's the mask. The mask was making me crazy. We, we've had so many games in the past where confusion has almost led to a party member's death that I think just every time it happens, we're always just like, oh no. (laughs) At least confusion wears off. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Insanity is real dangerous. We had some people actually say using the insanity rules from the, I think it's the game mastery guide for when you're not in combat. So like when combat kicks in, percentile rolls left, right, and center. Outside of combat, instead you actually gain a condition so something that would be kind of related to what happened. I believe that was Mirror, the Nocticulan yeah. Herald that lives in our Discord. So Sudi gets some sort of like phobia of colors or something. <laughs> he just co- he just covers both his eyes. It's like, see no evil. <laughs> but yeah, Sudi was put One in eye. a very tiny room. And then- We put him in a cat carrier. Basically. Then. We put him in the bag. <laughs> And so then that you can take me to the vet. we did meet the last guardian of this place that we were unaware of. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I was real concerned for you guys that you were gonna fight, have to fight her I because was. that would have been bad. I was gonna give her whatever she wanted, which is why the tile uh-huh. puzzle doesn't bother me because whatever was behind it is what she would have asked for anyway. So who cares what it is? You oh, don't have the no. thirst for knowledge, which brings us to the first question, which is what the heck was in that tile puzzle room? What was it? I am I seriously the only one that legitimately does not give a f- was yes, in a tile I, I cared. By the way, from now on, when I want to do the side quest thing before the final thing, I get to win the fight because we <laughs> put it off 17,000 times. We did. We did. We'll just do it at we the did. end. We'll do it before we leave. Mm-hmm. There were other more pressing things than the tile puzzle. True. Mm-hmm. To get into Reshka Bedabit and uh, honestly to kind of touch on uh, a couple of things that were uh, left in the background since this was the last book that you guys spent in the Sightless Sphinx. I went back and forth on Arusha Bed for a little bit. Uh, I ended up just having the negotiation there because I considered actually having her come out and then like do riddles. Oh, that would have been rad. <laughs> well, it also would have only been Jessica and Heather. <laughs> yeah. To be yeah. fair, oh, to be fair Jordan tends to be Jessica's handicap. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's totally true. And Heather killed it in the last yeah, riddle thing. Yeah, yeah, she so did. I, but, but at the same time, I just did a riddle thing. Yeah. So I kind of mm-hmm. didn't want to do that all over again. I didn't necessarily want you guys to have to fight her because I feel like it would be a little bit of an anticlimax to have the end of book boss fight. And then another boss fight. Oh, and by the way, here's an additional boss fight. Also, again, while she's powerful, she is not as powerful as the Forgotten Pharaoh was. 
we were down Sudi and I had a couple of disintegrates still. I didn't have very many spells. It would have been a rough fight. She has fast yeah. healing. She has spell resistance. She has a ten resistance to ele- every element. Uh, she has a whole bunch of really neat spell-like abilities, including a desecrate, unholy blight, a couple other fun ones. I just like that it felt like we were both kind of like, I don't want to have to fight you because that could hurt me. Let's just work it out. Like there was like a tension of like neither of us really wanted to have to fight each other. And yeah. so we kind yep. of worked out the deal. Yeah. And it kind of worked out like we helped her. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you inadvertently helped this evil and it worked for her goals, which are securing the sightless sphinx. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if she would rather have killed all of you. But at the same time, you just beaten this woman who she herself was wary of facing. So catch 22. And also while Citra would be incapable of using any intelligence or charisma based skills. She can still stab. She can still stab. Stab, stab. So physically Citra was not impaired. So it just made a little bit more sense. Yeah. So you guys had the tiles. I don't know if you had figured out that there was an order to put the tiles in. I mean, they're probably, I didn't even bother looking at we them because I figured we didn't get a chance to really Yeah, we didn't it. even get a chance to like really assess it. Yeah, because I described each of the tiles whenever you collected each of them. Let's see if we would have triggered a trap. What were the tiles? Let's do the tile puzzle now. This is the kind of content you get in the after party. <laughs> <laughs> the slots from the left carving display the hieroglyph for four, the center carving display the hieroglyph for two, and the right carving display no hieroglyphs at all. Uh, and you received three tiles, a sphinx, a warrior, and a serpent. Legs. It's all about legs. Yep. Yeah. Nice. nice. That's it. As I was writing that down, I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's the legs. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, wait a second. Numbers, creatures with different numbers of legs, legs. All right. So now that we have solved it, what and by we, I mean Jessica. What was our, in the what if machine, what, was our what is our prize? prize? So that would have given you access to rooms K38 and K39. Oh, you missed two rooms? Yep. Uh, K38 it. involves a fight against a giant mummified crocodile. <gasps> oh, oh it's kind of neat. Oh. It's a challenge rating of 10. It's got Ow. 126 hit points, 25 Ooh. AC. Uh, interestingly, a vulnerability to Sonic. Um, oh, that's weird. Interesting. But uh, yeah, it uh, despite being mummified, it still has swallow hole. It also can uh, death roll. <laughs> oh, swallow hole. Wow. Yeah. Oh, no. But uh, so that's just kind of fun and neat. Uh, it also has a whole bunch of it, like improved critical, um, some other fun feats thrown in there. It's just generally kind of a fun, powerful fight. And the other one is the secret vault, which is actually where Ereshkabed lives. Oh. So in essence, you just gave her the keys to her own. Her own house. Room. Okay. Uh, which is where she keeps the, uh, what is it? Squat idols in shallowed alcoves on either side of this room. The fist-sized gemstones glitter atop tattered velvet pillows on two pedestals against the far wall. Open chests spill forth gold coins that shimmer in the light of two silver bracketed torches. Like so we just missed some treasure. Yeah, you'd have to fight her. Um, there's a variety of different treasure in there. Statues depicting different demons. Babau, a, a Marleth, a Glabrazoo, and a Baylor. Cool. So those are kind of fun. A plus two Anarchic Sickle. Wild. Which okay. is just kind of neat. Actually, I think uh, I think almost all of you are proficient with that because it's a simple weapon. So yeah. for the Chaotic Among You, that's kind of fun. And a uh, Eagle Cape. Eagle Cape? We could have flown. Oh, flying. I Wait, think is flying. that the one that lets you fly? The eagle cape is, uh, if you fall more than five feet, the cape spreads out behind the wearer and gently drifts to the ground. It's exactly as feather fall for the wearer only. Oh. Once per day, if the wearer grasps the edges of the cape with, and spreads her arms, she transforms into an eagle as per beast shape. Ooh. Uh, except that it only allows eagle form, and the wearer retains the eagle's fully or full fly speed of 80 feet wow. and lasts wow. for 10 minutes, but can be ended prematurely as a standard action. In addition, while in eagle form, the wearer gains a plus five confidence bonus on perception checks. Oh. That's really neat. That's pretty cool. Uh, it's actually made of sphinx feathers instead of eagle feathers. Which oh, that would have been for Sudi. That would have been really cool for Sudi. Bummer. Uh, you guys also missed two other secret rooms. What? Where were they? How did we miss them? Well, we didn't make the, the perception checks, apparently. Well, I know, like, mechanically how we missed them. <laughs> we know how this works, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> technically, technically, you missed three other secret rooms. but what? Oh, my gosh. So many. They're everywhere. We never miss this stuff. That's wild. Uh, so, first off, you missed room K9A which was a little bit hinted to when you go up to the top of the pyramid inside of the Sphinx. 
you noticed that one side of it was longer than the other that had the stairs yes. leading up. It was supposed yeah. to be an indication that there was something going on with the other longer side of the pyramid. Uh, of what you could have checked, which contained... From now on, Jessica is going to just check the things I'm interested in when we have the moment to check them. Uh, on the plus side, it's just it's a little bit of treasure as far as, like, money is concerned, some pearls and everything, and another golem bane scarab. <laughs> That's so cool! <laughs> Dang it. Helpful. Everyone gets golem bane scarabs. And I went on top of that pyramid and everything. I should have just been like, no, we're looking. The second one, which really didn't cost you much of anything was uh, room K25, which was actually a secret observation post huh. built into the wall between where the uh, you went through the stone wall that was blocking the hallway and the ritual chamber. So it was on the uh. opposite side from the secret room that you were, you were staying in. So there's another secret door like 30 feet away. <laughs> oh, wow. That led into a small chamber that literally had nothing in it. It was just I mean, a that's fine. I'm okay shortcut. missing that. Yeah, I'm okay missing those. The last one was the most complicated one to get to. Huh. So, off of the Chamber of Ritual Purification, where you guys fought the Guaykubus, yeah. as well as mm -hmm. the extraordinarily short fight against the um, Glabrazoo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there is a secret chamber called the Relic's Tomb. Huh. Uh, one of Ereshkigal's most faithful cultists, a cleric named Hiket, was interred in this tomb, but she was has not rested in her sarcophagus for some time. Shortly after being entombed, she rose as an undead zombie lord. Yeah. And now stands silent and watchful in this dark room. Haket is magically bound to the Bodox in area K26 oh. and can sense their movements and general condition. For each Bodox that is destroyed, Haket grows stronger. If all six Bodox are destroyed, Haket becomes strong enough to break through the secret door of this chamber, which was not designed to open from this side. Oh. If Haket can break through the chamber, she does so as soon as the PCs enter room K27. So basically <laughs> the hallway up front. Otherwise, she waits here, and anyone who opens the door and enters this room faces her wrath. So, good thing we just faces left those Bodocs where they it's were. It's true. It's true. Yeah, I'm not sad about missing a fight with a mummified crocodile having to face the Guardian and a zombie lord. I'm not upset by any of these things. A zombie lord cleric 13. I don't yeah. know. The oh, no. cool. <laughs> that sounds terrible. I'm glad we didn't find it. But the, the cool treasure, that's fun. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's basically what you guys missed in there. So, despite it being as thorough as possible... It is a very large dungeon. <laughs> yep. Fair. That, that's that's kind of an understatement there. Goodness. Yep. <laughs> then we got Seraphet back. We did stuff. Yeah, we uh, we left the Sightless Sphinx, and then the, after Masika rested, we fixed up Sudi and Yay! Citra. Yeah. And then uh, you met up we, with your Moftet buddies before that. Uh, yeah, and then we left yeah. to meet up with the Moftet. And so in episode one fifty two, we were on our way to meet with the Moftet, um, the rest of the Moftet back at the ruins of. Yeah. Kerma. Kerma. Yeah. Yeah. Before you left, you did also collect Safa as well as Chisasek. Yes. Yep. And the Moftet that had been turned into a kitty cat. Hollis and Sarathet had their talk. Her name was Callie. That's and, true. and she was um, an unremorseful brat. What? The cat. Oh, I, I was like, Sarathet was remorseful and sad. No, yeah. no, no, no. The the Moftet we turned into a cat. The cat was a brat, yes. But you, get, you did get a chance to have like a heart to heart with uh, Sarathet. That was so sad. That's probably Hollis's nightmare, the idea that somebody would just squish the magic out of you. Mm -hmm. And then before we actually met with the Moftet at uh, the ruins, we did pick up Nima and reunite her with Safa and pick up the crazy Chisisek armor of doom. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, and then we made our way to the Moftet and we told Eriu about what happened with his son and what was going on. And he gave us that really cool sword that I think Citra is carrying. Yes, mm -hmm. Citra is going to use it to fly. And we fulfilled our promise to Areshabibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibibib
Oh, which I M-D. guess has some hints about what's going on with the side story with the Faded Tales characters. Also, some crazy right. stuff is happening in On. Yeah, uh, Narlathotep is upset, I have a feeling, is what's going on in On. <laughs> so, you know. Goodness. Yeah, he met up. He specifically said he's met up with some Pathfinders. So and his dad, who's crazy. Yeah, yeah which makes well, Citra really nervous because he got kicked out of the Pathfinders. It's true. They're friendly folks. You can't be evil and be the Pathfinder. Well, they're also pragmatic enough In that society. there's like you know <laughs> they'll ally themselves with like morally dubious people if it's you know yeah, it's suits true. the agenda. Yeah. And we hung out at the Merchant's Oasis for a few days before teleporting back to Chisisek's tomb and reinterning him. But before we did that, we talked to him one more time. That was fun. Yep. So mm-hmm. we got some more information about the slave trenches, and then Masika found out he's like her too many to count great uncle. Yeah. And she's kind of uh, she's kind of flabbergasted by that. That it's was neat. a cool little revelation. That the only way the crystal works that's in Narmer is if it's activated by one of Chisisek's relatives. That's true. So that's the true why. friends are the Chisisek's you find along the way. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then we'd uh, reinterred him, and I think that's where we left off was us about to teleport to Sothis to drop off Sarathet and do some yeah. shopping. So Technically, much shopping. we left off with Tedesura reminding all of you that Chisisek designed a total of 16 pyramids. Oh, that's, that's right. That's right for the generals. Oh my gosh. Roll out those Starfinder uh, ship combat rules. <laughs> uh, yeah. there's, what, there's what we do. We don't bring it down. We hijack one of those ships and we yeah. go up there and we give them. They're piece either of our very ride. tiny pyramids or we're not meant to clear all sixteen in the adventure path because we only got two books left, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's sixteen yep. tiny dungeon crawls. <laughs> oh my gosh! Could you imagine? First, you get to the level where you can cast Wish. Then you cast Wish on Ulnat the Festering. Then you fly the giant scarab beetle into the sky. <laughs> <laughs> I like awful. that, but also you just wish that there was only one pyramid and it was small. <laughs> that's fair. I, I don't um, know if that's how that would work. Mm. Oh, so was Sarah? Was that her? Was that her original personality, or did you, did you rework her? As far as her backstory is concerned? Uh, yeah, a little bit. We only touched a little bit on Sarathet's backstory, like right there at the end. Mm. It ties in pretty well with her backstory. Sarathet was pretty lawful neutral previously, I believe. I mean, you almost no. have to be to be breaking in, or not breaking in, but uh, going to tombs possibly without permission. Well, lawful yeah. would be a problem that in that. The Church of Nethys are officially sanctioned to go and explore yeah, these so, sites, yeah, which is why she's working directly with the Church of Nethys. Mm. It's really her personality that states in here that Sarathet rose quickly through the ranks of the priesthood. The expedition had awakened a fire within her, a passion to merge exploration and action with academia. She embarked on a number of expeditions over the next 10 years and made several important archaeological and historical discoveries, although it was the discoveries themselves that fascinated her, and she never sought fame or recognition for her work. Which is why she didn't make a good Pathfinder. Well, she wasn't a Pathfinder. <laughs> she was never a Pathfinder. Yeah. But, but yeah, it does go on to state that it's just you know her years of experience lent the priestess a confidence in her own abilities that sometimes led her to make reckless decisions. Mm. And it just was that. It was arrogance. You do you know. normal, like in normal parties where you don't know her or whatever, like, do most people just murder her and she dies? The book does have a com- campaign rule section for her oh. that states that uh, Sarathet's true self is all but lost, replaced by Hakatep's Ib. Oh. However, Sarathet's body is brought to the Sanctuary Nethys in Tefu uh, or the Temple of the All-Seeing Eye in Sothis. The priest there can research on bringing the cleric back to life. Oh. A simple raised dead spell cannot restore Sarathet's shattered soul. Uh, due to the damage from due to the damage due to the possession of the ib, but a complex ritual sacrifice, culminating in a resurrection, might be successful. Huh. Yep. And if she's returned back to life, she is uh, grateful, of course, for being freed from Hakatep's influence. However, her actions have left her bereft of her connection to her god. She remains an ex-cleric until a quest of atonement, likely involving the recovery of ancient knowledge from dangerous area, uh, is performed, requiring Sarathet to uh, regain her cleric's abil- cleric abilities. I smell a side story. Yep. It does state that she may turn to the PCs for help in this endeavor as well. Ah. Interesting. Well, I mean, she could come with us to this place we're going. There's got to be a lot of secrets there. <laughs> a lot of secrets in On right now. A lot of weird well, stuff there to discover. Yeah, but that would be weird. It does even bring up in here that uh, if the party needs a replacement PC, possibly after the battle with Sarathet, uh, Sarathet <laughs> could make an interesting option, uh, joining the other PCs on their excursion into Hakatep's pyramids to regain her status and seek her own vengeance against the Sky Pharaoh. So, just kind of a... Yeah, and considering that you only ever meet her as her 
altered state, then it'd be kind of a blank slate for players to work with. Yeah. It's always interesting when books include NPCs that are just like, by the way, if you need a replacement PC. Here you go. Here you go. Which is yeah. like, hint, hint, you might lose someone here, so keep it in mind. Well, yeah, you did manage to uh, to get Sarathet back. I believe you guys left off after that dramatic reveal from, or more like a dramatic reminder from Yeah, like, oh no. Which is terrifying. Getting ready to teleport back to Sothis, though. Mm, big city time. I mean, oh, I don't yeah. think we're going to be there very long. We have to go to the trenches. Some amount of time we will be there. Mm. I'm getting a bath. Sudi's probably going to like lose his mind because he's never been to a city that big. He thought Tefu was big. It's true. Yeah. I mean, he it's did. also it's a bigger city than... Masika's people occasionally go and do trade with Tefu. But yeah, and, and Citra is from On, which is about a quarter of the size. Mm. So. Awesome. But yeah, so this has a population of over 100,000. Big get, old city. Goodness. We get there and Neef is just like waiting. <laughs> I don't know why Neef would be in Sothis, but Neef is actually Neef and is there to help guide us. Oh, yeah. Neef is actually like Alceta or some god or something in yeah, disguise. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like some god in disguise. Isn't be the fun. goddess Neef? Neef is a god, yeah. Oh, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. they're not, are they in the the, the Pathfinder yep. version of the Pantheon? Yep, Neef is uh, one of the Assyrian gods. Ah. Nice. So it wouldn't be that outrageous. What are they the god of? Neef is the god of... Hunting, war, weaving, with domains in animal, artifice, good, war, and water. Huh, that's weird. That's yep. a weird combo. Neef is Set's ex-wife. <laughs> ex-wife. And All Sobek's right. mother. Cool. Hmm. Okay. Not ex-wife, sorry. They just had a kid out of marriage. Hmm. Like you do. Like you do. So yeah, that kind of gets you guys all caught up, and uh, we're ready to really start. We we cut our teeth on book five, but we're really going to start getting. No, into we it teased it. It was such a big tease. There's always a few episodes of got to wrap up what happened in the previous book. You know, yeah. tie up those loose ends. Get us excited for the next book. Pretty much talking with Chisasek is the very opening of book five. So mm. nice. You guys have got the ball rolling. Yeah. How would you figure all of that out if you didn't think to to ask Chisasek directly? I mean, I have with you having the mask and it needing an artifact to talk to him. I, I feel like that's pretty obvious that that's what you're supposed to do. Well, and you get the whole connection way back in Tefu that you need to find that just sex the only person that knows this stuff, and so that's mm -hmm. why you're going out yeah, to find us to begin with. That's true. That was the whole point of us looking for him, is because we had to figure out all this stuff. So, but that's we do have some point. emails. Uh, our first awesome. is from Jen from Kintargo. She says, hey, "Hi, Kintargo. folk." <laughs> love the show and love that you all have started playing Hell's Rebels. My group was in book three and having a great time with it before the pandemic hit. Aww. Aww. I hope you can live vicariously through us for the next two years it'll take us to get to book three in Hell's Rebels. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats on three years of Mummy's Mask. I personally love numbers and math, and so I love Pathfinder. I hate numbers and math, but I, I still love Pathfinder. <laughs> So in celebration, I think that was Heather's put, aside, not the writer's aside. Yes, this is true. <laughs> so in celebration, I put together a fun list of episode facts in case there's ever a quiz. Ooh, cool. Oh, nice. The shortest episode so far was episode 12. The one with the ghost drama was 45 hmm. minutes and 53 seconds. The longest episode was episode 51, the one where they call on Osiris, which was an hour and 50 minutes and five seconds. Osiris. Oh, which I think is our second longest episode, period. It's the longest mummy's mass. The first episode of Tyrant's Grasp, I think, was over two hours. Book three was 45 episodes long. Um, you're right to say, Tef, you took a while. 25 of those episodes were spent there. <laughs> book four was 34 episodes long. Assuming 151 is the end of the book, Rick said it was. 20 of those episodes were in the Sightless Sphinx. So, yeah. Good junk. <laughs> Felt like a lot longer in the Sightless Sphinx, honestly. From seeing the first yeah. footprints, it took 48 episodes to track down and find Nebta Kufri. 48 it took episodes. 19 episodes to avenge on Eurus. Uh, mm. Citra met Falto in episode 5, the one with all the bar gossip, on week 3 of the podcast. She flat mm. out stated she was not interested in him. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't stick. <laughs> That's awesome. She thought he was a weird guy from Taldor. Like, what the Some heck? Some of us still think he's a weird guy from Taldor. For Taldor. Sudi only had two eyes for 45 episodes. Oh my gosh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. It's so, been over yeah. 100 episodes without my eye. Yeah, two-thirds of this adventure so far. <laughs> wow. wow. Sakira was in 70 episode 79, counting Faded Tales, and Hollis has been in 78 episodes. Hmm. So technically, Sakira's still been in more episodes. By one. 
Onuris was in 93 episodes and Masika has been in 54. Uh, oh. Onuris had the mask for 23 episodes, Citra for two episodes, and Sudi for 55 as of episode 150. Interesting. Yeah. All right. And she said, hope you uh, found these things fun and interesting. Here's an- to another 150 episodes. <laughs> I did, did find, find that find interesting. interesting. <laughs> yes. I love Sudi- trivia like that. Sudi only having his eyes for both eyes for 45 episodes kind of surprises me. I no. know. I was like, oh, wait. When you so put means, it that wait, way. That means, okay, in that case, I lost the uh, the eye before I became a living monolith. Yeah, you did. I yeah. got that in episode 50. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. We were, you know, running around Wati. That's right. Saving people, yeah. losing eyes. It's before you guys even went into the necropolis. Mm-hmm. I'm curious whether or not um, I remember, I can't remember who mentioned it. I remember someone mentioned that I did name drop the Sightless Sphinx Back in like episode thirty-five, it was at the uh, the, at auction. the auction. So I really? think that was the I think that was the longest foreshadowing that I ever gave in this. Yeah, it was because wow, we, yeah. we were talking to that kid who wanted the adventuring gear, and oh, he yeah. mentioned the sightless sphinx. Yeah, he and then. his buddies will go find the sightless sphinx that he's heard about. Yeah, and we were all just like, "Whatever, dude." That will have no bearing on us. <laughs> that kid's never leaving. Watch it. Didn't for Sakura. Our second email is from Dakota from the Seattle, Washington era, area. So Absalom, because that's where Paizo is. So, you know. Well, we've also, I think Seattle's I think a couple it. of places. Yeah, as I say, we've named it something else, too. We are, if anything, inconsistent with yeah, where I we don't, put you. Yeah, I don't remember any of that stuff. I'm saying we saying we're going to build a database, but we've never done it. I think Absalom's fine. Absalom. Hello, Dakota. Hi, Pathfolk. Longtime listener, first time writer. Love the show and love y'all. <laughs> love Dang. you, too. Oh, thank Yay. you. Um, I am in the process of making a character right now and while buying equipment, I read the physical description entries for potions for the first time. They are usually described as being one ounce vials that are one inch wide by two inches tall. I was wondering if that's how you guys pictured potions. I always pictured a six to eight ounces of liquid, not essentially a magic shot. I've always pictured them as tiny shot vials because you have to be able to chug it in six seconds. So you're not going to down eight ounces without gagging in less than a round. In the middle of combat. I mean, realistically, sure, but my brain always pictures like classic RPG, like almost like flask-shaped things with corks on the top. The Diablo healing vials. Yeah. Yeah. Although actually the first Diablo healing vials you get are tiny little like almost test tubes. Yeah, they're they're bitty. Um, Mine always looks like flasks. I think I, I used to picture them the uh, Diablo, well, Diablo 2, because that's I never actually played the first one. Um, and then we went to Scarborough uh, Renaissance yes. Festival, and um, I saw this bandolier that had all the, the tiny little vials, and I was like, oh, so that's what it's like. And kind of ever since then, I've pictured it as the smaller ones. So that's yeah, why that, you I'm can the drink same, this yeah. in six seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The more amazing thing is that you can get the cork off with, you know, one hand. I kind of imagine you just rip it out with your teeth and spit it out and then you chug. That's why it provokes. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I'd I'd buy that. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I've always kind of pictured them as the little shots because that's always been, oh, I have to drink this and less. Because you can take a potion and still do something else. So it's one of those, Mm -hmm. like taking like a swig of medicine or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically a little five hour energy. It's also like in Starfinder, they have serums, which I think are technically like the same thing. You just drink them. But I always see them as injectables, like Bioshock style. Yeah. God. Stick this into your veins. I just, it always makes me wince a little bit in Bioshock because he God. like rams it in. <laughs> which is like, no, you would, you, you, no. And they're the that big, they're the big works. thick metal needles. Yeah. Too. Oh, wow. yeah. Like Jesus but, guy. <laughs> uh, Dakota signs off saying, hoping Sudi keeps his eye on the prize. I bid you <laughs> a, all a fond farewell. Oh. Jar. Oh. Jar for you. <laughs> After a hundred episodes, you think you'd be used to it. <laughs> that jar is overflowing. <laughs> Man, if we actually kept track of the jar stuff, Dude, Jordan have would have enough money to like, go on vacation with how many times Rick said something. Oh, Our it's been th- over a hundred times for sure. Our third email is from Jim in Freehold, New Jersey. It's part of Central Jersey and is a busy little town surrounded by farms and orchards. Freehold already sounds like a fantasy city. I know. It makes me think of uh, Galt. I don't know. Something about the farms and orchards. Mm, Yeah. 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 With hold in there, it makes me think of uh, Dungan's hold. But I think that's because I did the whole thing about Dwarven Sky Citadels. That's where they invented guns, which apparently are why they're called guns, because they're from Dungan. I have a a dissonance going on between Galt and Jersey, though. (laughs) But that's because I have the stereotypical Jersey stuff in my head, which I know is false. (laughs) 
See, what we can do is we can we can say he's from Duncan's Hold, and now we can say that all dwarves in Duncan's Hold speak with the Jersey accent. I don't <laughs> like that. <laughs> I love that. Honestly, I like I that. I love that. That one. That's great. I'm here for it. <laughs> anyway, Jim says, dear uh, FTP crew, I was getting caught hey, up on the Gla- Glass Cannon podcast and started asking their subreddit uh, for other podcast recommendations. Yours was the top suggestion, and I'm so glad because your group is now my favorite actual play podcast. Oh, awesome. Aww. I won't We're- tell Grant. Well, thank Aww. you. <laughs> Shortly after I started listening to you, I knew I wanted to write in for an after party and made a promise to wait until I was caught up. In less than five months, I've listened to all of Mummy's Mask, including Faded Tales, Ooh. all of Hell's Rebels, and I'm starting through everything oh. in the Ventures feed. Ooh. Wow. wow. Bravo. That's a lot That's of content, sir. my friends. That's a ton of content. <laughs> wow. If you, uh, <laughs> if you get caught up on the Ventures feed, minor plug, we do have a Patreon with Tyrant's Grass also. <laughs> That's so. true. Yeah, That's there true. you go. $5 tier. Uh, almost 50 episodes there now. That's true. Right. Jim continues with content uh, if you want to read things. Sure. Okay, praises first. I will keep these short so that Rick can survive. Rick, <laughs> you are, <laughs> Rick, you are a master storyteller, a great GM, and have an amazing understanding of the rules. Whenever you clarify a rule, it never ruins the flow of the story that you are trying to tell. Thank you. Some of that's editing. <laughs> Rachel, Heather, Jessica, Jordan, Rachel, and Ross. You guys are great players. I can Rachel tell how twice. much you have. Wait, no, Rachel yeah. got called twice. Yes, yeah, she that. did. Rachel, hey. Heather, Rachel gets Jessica, double complimented. Jordan, and Ross. Well, we clearly know who your favorite is. <laughs> you guys are great players. I can tell how much you have thought about and care about your characters. Hopefully, Rick doesn't kill any more of you. Yeah, Rick. <laughs> oh, there's no guarantee on that at all. Listen to Tony. Right. We did not set a quote on deaths. <laughs> no. <laughs> He says, uh, I love listening to you. You make me feel like I'm at the table with you guys. I really wish I was, and hopefully in the future, I can through your Discord. Find the Path awesome. finally pushed sure. me to finally running my first Pathfinder game with friends. Yay. We are all new to Pathfinder, but have lots of experience with D&D 3.5. Mummy's Mask was on our shortlist, but we decided on Giant Slayer. My players, a group of Still three, an unchained acrobat rogue, inquisitor, and blackblade magus are working Ooh. through the plague house right now. Plague House sounds fun. Ooh, I love that. Ooh. That sounds really fun. I was cool. just, I was just thinking, uh, a group of three in Giant Slayer. Giant Slayer has a reputation. Uh, good luck to you and your friends. <laughs> Hopefully, that you have an NPC to help you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyone says, that dies has to come back with, as a dwarf for that plus four dodge bonus against giants. Mm, <laughs> it's yes. just not fair. Enough praise <laughs> before Rick's run. Rick runs away. On to my questions. I just took off my headphones. It's fine. I noticed that all the PCs have ranks in a profession skill. Is this a house rule or an optional Paizo rule? Were bonus skill points given for this in the beginning? It is a not necessarily a house rule. It's somewhat of a house rule in that I use the background systems to award an additional two skill points that can only be spent on non like non combat skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember what book those come out of. It might be out of Unchained. Uh, Unchained. It's out of Unchained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My only caveat to that is I require that one of those skill points had to be spent on a profession, craft, or perform. That's yep. why Hollis has so many ranks in cook. <laughs> <laughs> and Sudi's got it in profession bodyguard and has literally never used it. <laughs> yep. I think that's where Masika gets all of her craft clockwork. Yes, that's that's where all of her craft clockwork comes from. That's where Citra's craft painting comes from. Yeah. And it just kind of helps expound on that where it's like, you know, Citra is a painter and isn't necessarily penalized for being a painter. Mm-hmm. So... Although rogues have so many skills. Yeah. That's true. Right. And the second question is, Rick, because I follow along with the books, I have noticed some interesting ways you introduce treasure from Encounter Skipped. All have seemed fair except for one, the ge- desert giant selling treasure to the PCs. I am glad that they were gifted this later on. Can you please clarify your reasonings for this option? Also, if this is something in the Adventure Path book and I missed it, sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> uh, no, it's not in the Adventure Path book. I didn't want to penalize the players for basically being environmentally conscious when they decided not to go up and screw around with the giant rock. So I didn't want to make them miss the treasure up there, and particularly because uh, that treasure included one of the two gloves of arrow snaring, which I thought was kind of neat having them in two separate locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave them the opportunity to buy it off of the desert giants originally so that they could get access to it sooner before they'd actually help the desert giants with the intention that if they chose to do so, the desert giants would reward them back with their treasure after they helped them later, oh, assuming that they successfully did so. Yeah, and and behind the scenes, there is like a an expectation of treasure that you're going to get. So if you miss too much treasure, it actually puts you at a huge disadvantage. So depending on how much we missed, it may have made a lot of sense to make sure that we get enough to stay on track. 
Yeah, it depends on the individual adventure. You guys are usually pretty close to it, and I tend to add a little bit of extra treasure in because the Paizo adventures always skew to the low treasure side. Well, trust me, we're not short on treasure right now. I've got two Ooh, pages full of stuff roll to in. We're tally gonna up. own this town. We get to it. Yep. <laughs> Gotta roll into uh, Sothis on your phantom chariot. <laughs> And then for a more lighthearted question, I'm amazed by how many class options Paizo created for first edition. Fair. The most intriguing to me are the hybrid classes. What is everyone's favorite hybrid class and why? Mine is the Slayer because full base attack with sneak attack and rogue tricks. You can murder (laughs) everything. (laughs) War Priest because of swift spellcasting. You get fervor, it lets you cast. Not only can you do some lay on hands and channel and that sort of stuff, but you can say... If I'm only casting it on myself, I can spend one of my fervor to cast it as a swift action. So, sure, swift action, divine favor, then I'll hit this bad guy all day long. Um, I would say the investigator, but every time I played the investigator, I didn't use any of the alchemist side of it. So I'm going to go with swashbuckler because um, I freaking loved my swashbuckler character that I got to briefly play in uh, Skull and Shackle. That's why I like the investigator in 2E. It's been super fun. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to go with a weird one. I'm going to go with the Blood Rager. Uh, oh, there is cool. something just so thematically fun about being a barbarian sorcerer. Mm-hmm. So I think that's always a, it's, it's a wild like hybrid class. It's very strange, but uh, I love the idea of like I go into a rage and like fire starts streaming out of the side of my eyes or something like that. You know, it's kind of cool. Yeah. The Scald is also neat. I always thought maybe I would play one of those at I, some I've point. I've never played a Scald, haven't. but it seems really cool. Yeah. I mean, of course, I also like the Shaman, but, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Shaman. I've never played any of the hybrid classes. I don't believe so. Um, I would probably put Swashbuckler on there because, I mean, I, I have as a GM run Swashbucklers, and they are oh, fun. Yeah. So, uh, and actually, no, I take that back. I did play a Swashbuckler. I played a Swashbuckler Android for two books of Iron Gods. Gods. Yeah. Oh, yep. yeah. That I was one of the, what is it, the Inspired Blade, mm. where you get to use intelligence. Yeah. That's great. Uh, she died. Uh, yeah. Jim signs off with, I'm going to end this long letter now. I could probably keep going on and on, so I'll end with this final thought. May you keep telling amazing stories that bring joy to so many people. Oh, well, oh thank you. We shall. Thank you. We'll we will do our best. All right. Our... Last email is from Patrick from the rainy part of the Plain of Air, Vancouver, Canada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. right. Canada's in the Thank Plain of Air. Thank you so much for that. Very yes. nice. <laughs> Dear Find the Path crew. Hello, Patrick. You guys are an exceptional bunch. Not only are you great role players and storytellers, inclusive community builders, and, uh, and nice people, but you are among the rarest of things, a group that has actually finished a campaign adventure path rather than just having them fizzle out. <laughs> oh, we it's finished true. so many. <laughs> we We've finished done it multiple many. times even. <laughs> yes. We're just all stubborn in the right way. Yeah, yeah. Leave them on the cliffhangers. Not all the time. <laughs> My question is about this last achievement of yours. How do you satisfactorily end a campaign? The players kill the bad guy at the end of book six and you just show up for the next session with new first level characters for a new AP. Or do you have some kind of session ultimate and inverse of session zero? I think we mostly just kind of go around and talk about what our characters are doing. Like, you know, here's their plan. Sometimes the GM what's the reti- does it. What's your retirement plan for the yeah. character, basically? Yeah. We've always had, like, big group gatherings. Like, you know, some yeah. time has passed. And, like, at the end of our Carrying Crown campaign, Ross had us all come to- back together for the anniversary of the events that kicked it off. And then it was like, mm-hmm. what's everybody doing? And the end of... Curse of the Crimson Throne, it was like kind of a party at the end of the adventure path, and then we kind of say bye to all the NPCs. At the end of Legacy, it was like one of the characters was going to live on a mountain forever, the other one was starting some teleportation business, and then the other, I don't even know what Adelaide did. Married the rogue, maybe? Or went on a date, that's what it was. Finally got a date date with the rogue. But yeah, by the end of the adventure path, we I usually feel at least like I know what my character is often doing. So mm-hmm. and I think a lot of times we also have had the conversations of, you know, hey, when we get this adventure done, like, you know, what are you going to do? Um, so we kind of have an idea <laughs> already, like, you know, whether you're going to like, I don't know, go back to school or you're going to start a cult. I mean, who knows, you know, whatever. I think typically the GMs do a wrap up episode, kind of like our episode zero, episode. <laughs> but Session. So, sorry, episode, like, well, like our episode zero. So, I mean, we do a wrap-up session where we're all together and go, go over, like, how it's ended or whatever. But outside of game, I think 
every single time we've all gone out to dinner together and mm-hmm. just chatted about it for hours on end. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. That's a good way to do it. And again, if you're looking at ending a campaign, it's whatever's going to be satisfactory for your group. If your group, if your group just wants to immediately set aside the characters and jump in with brand new higher level characters or lower level characters, sure. Uh, but a lot of times you can kind of fill it out. Uh, I know some people like to just send an email out to all the players and say, hey, you know, we're approaching the end. Like, you know, what kind of scene do you want me to explain is going on for your character? Or it's just like, oh, yeah, I've retired back to the woods and I'm living as one with nature or what have you. He continues with, as players, do you guys want to continue the story of the character you spent so much time with, or do you find some way to have them right off to the sunset? I think it would be hard to let go of a character or imagine them having ongoing adventures that I don't get to know about. Um, mm. Usually it's one of those, like, my characters have, like, a job, and if I was ever going to return to them, it'd be for those high-level one-shot adventure books. It's like, hey, something's cropped up, and these characters are going to go deal with it type situation. Yeah, we usually, by the end, everybody kind of has a thing they're going to do when they're done. And usually we also know the next thing we're going to play and have already kind of started building or have built characters for that thing. So we can be excited about those new characters coming in, yeah. Usually by the time we hit the beginning of book six, we start talking about what we're going to do next. That way, you know, you have more than a week to to sit down and make a character. Mm-hmm. Um, he continues with, as a group, do you have a bigger picture continuity going on where all of the APs have happened mm-hmm. in the same world and could potentially affect each other so that old characters could cameo new campaigns? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, <laughs> yes we, do. we do. Yes. That, that's always been our, like, you know, what happens if the party all bites it in book six is like, all right, everybody grab your old, an old character that you really like. We're going to bring the, the best and the brightest back to finish this off. We've always kept a timeline, and so you can look at the actual, like, in-world date and be like, oh, those characters over there are just now doing such and such thing or, or whatever. Yeah. Oh, it's one up. Oh, right. We're not on video. The audio people <laughs> cannot podcast, see your Rachel. bookshelf, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Actually, like four of the timelines from previous games are on the bookshelf behind me. So, If you need to jump back in, it's always kind of a fun thing that you can do. And of course, every adventure path has the you know continuing the adventure section. Mm-hmm. So if you want to keep it going for a while longer, I'm a firm believer in always leave them wanting more. So you reach the end, you have a satisfactory conclusion, and you don't want to be that like, you know, okay, well, really, this will keep going until this campaign dies. Mm. That's how you successfully end an adventure. You'll see in 150 more episodes. I'd be surprised if it's 150 more episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick signs off with, these are just some questions I had that you guys are among the rarefied few that might actually be able to answer. Keep up the excellent work, and thanks for helping make the corona times more bearable. Mm, welcome. Well, You're very you. welcome. Very we will welcome. continue. And good luck with your own adventures. I, I imagine that the the wrap-up episodes of Mummy's Mask are going to be a little bit more intense just because it's a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure Rick's already got something planned. Yeah. I don't know. you got to make sure we live till the end. Mm-hmm. Can't start planning the wrap-up till everybody's alive at the end. Really, the wrap-up episode is just going to be Sudi's funeral. Oh, oh, no, no. So gonna die. He's a living monolith forever. Yep. That's... And then you open up, you open oh. up the sarcophagus to get one last look, and he's gone. And you're like, <gasps> and then I end it. <laughs> no. That'd be wild. No. One last cliffhanger. No. <laughs> wild. That was all the emails. Woo. The end. Did he? I'm Did just he gonna cast? stare at Heather. Yeah. I don't have any dice. Think of a number one to four. <laughs> or we shall roll Flip on your a behalf. Coin. It is two. I don't have a, why do you think I have a coin on my desk? Flip anything on your desk. <laughs> evens or odds? Yeah, I evens have... or odds? Odds. 14, it's evens. What did that do? I'll say that that's a two. <laughs> I was like, what does it have to do? I don't know. <laughs> also, I want to bring up the sheer number of... Uh, of expectations that you have shattered with the idea that you are sitting at your desk with no dice within reach. Because I use you? my die I use my desk for other things during the week. How dare you? But Bless what? Me. What possibly could you use it for? That's <laughs> not <laughs> dice related. How dare it's you? It's not dice related. It's all games, right? Fiend. You don't roll your dice when you play online games? All right. <laughs> so, Heather should have an opinion on this. Uh-oh. Today we'll be casting Sukio, the Prince oh. of the Moon. Ooh. Nice. The surface of Galarian's moon is marred with a great scar, and the people of Tian Sha say this is where Sukio, the prince of the moon, was struck down by his envious brother, Fumiyoshi. When his lover Shizuru, who I think we already cast, 
found him the next morning, her tears mixed with his blood to create the first pieces of jade. Suzuro brought him to Kwaizong, the god of medicine, who resurrected him, but his experience on the other side changed him from a boisterous and carefree soul to a thoughtful and temperamental one. He now sees the world differently from most, something that has strained his relationship and made it difficult for him to relate to others, but has also allowed him to offer his understanding and quiet comfort to those who are lost, demonized, or misunderstood. Uh, Sukiyo's found a great following amongst those whom society shuns or strikes down for their differences, particularly those with mental illness or disabilities. Uh, when engaging with those of mental illness or disability, priests of Sukiyo prefer to offer assistance by teaching communities to respect and celebrate these individuals. Sukiyan priests never attempt to treat these individuals unless they desire such assistance. It's a good little kind of outlook or look into uh, his outlook. I know who I've cast. It's wild, but it's awesome. Oh, really? When it's time. Jordan's going to laugh forever. Oh, no. Did you pick a good one then? Yes. Dang it. All right. I'm going to go with Stephen Yoon. I cannot pronounce his last name. He's uh, from The Walking Dead. Ah. Yeah. That's the one that he, most people are going to know him for. True. He's good. So that is my choice. I'm going to pick Hiroyuki Sanada. No! Yeah! You picked mine, son of a- I have no idea who this person is. Yeah. Scorpion in the new Mortal Kombat. Actor. Oh, dude, he's so good. That's God, such I a great him. one. He was in 47 Ronin, Avengers oh, Endgame, the original no. Gru- or the original Ring. I'm very glad that I went a different way then. <laughs> he's like classic, but also he's like, if you want to spend a fun two hours or whatever watching a, a silly game based on a video game, Mortal Kombat is really fun. But <laughs> he's like good. the best part. I could have watched a full five hour saga of in like him. feudal Japan <laughs> following the life of this this guy as Scorpion. I could have watched well, it. That's I would have paid why, money for it. That's why 47 Ronin was so good because really Keanu True. Reeves was like a side thing in it. He was the main character. Hiroyuki was the best. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> I, I stole Rachel. so much. You stole I was hoping my... I could go first because I was real worried. Dang it. <laughs> that's a good pick. That's a really good pick. It's probably better than my pick. So I picked Kenichi Matsuyama. Hmm who uh, is a Japanese actor uh, most probably famously in America known for playing L in the live action adaptation of Death Note. Oh. Uh, but he's been uh, a voice actor in, in Death Note. So uh, yeah, and he's pretty. <laughs> There's one picture of him where he looks like a doofus, but in every other picture he does look pretty. But the one picture that comes up first for me on like his little like Google search result is the doofiest picture. Wait, is it? Oh, wait, where he's just like smiling kind of doofy? It's got like a blue background and he yeah, looks yeah, like yeah. grimacy. All right, I've got mine. I had to dig around for a little bit to find him because uh, I didn't remember what his uh, either first or last name. I'm not sure if they reverse it. <laughs> and this is an out there choice. Um, right. And also it is technically a posthumous choice. But Mako Imawatsu. Most famously, oh. Uncle Iroh from yeah. Avatar for me. But he kind of embodies the idea of that kind, gentle soul, maybe that's seen some darkness, that he has this, uh, this ability to communicate it across. Uh, unfortunately, he did pass away uh, years ago. I think it's, it's been like 15 years. 2006, I think it says. Yeah, so about 15 years ago. But, yeah. Um, God, it's been 15 years ago? Oh, my God. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go posthumous, but no, Mako's amazing. I love I love him as Uncle Iroh. Um, he was also um, what was his name? The main bad guy in Samurai Jack. Uh, Aku. Aku. Yes. Very cool. Aku. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna give it to Mako. Nice. Or Mako. I think it's Mako though. He lived to 72. That was a good long life. Needed to be longer. Now I'm sad again. Hiroyuki. I know. Gosh, stole mine. Ugh. Yeah, He's I know. perfect I vote for though, that right? One for sure. He's so freaking perfect. Okay, because. Just agree with me. We can both say it, and maybe he'll win. I mean, you know my what? Vote, I'm going to do that too, because so. my my other one was uh, Tadanobu Asanu, who played Lord Raiden. And everything, <laughs> but I'm like, no, I don't think he fits it as well as yeah. Hiroyuki. So I'm no, I'm going to go with Jessica. I'm, yeah, I, he was Two my choice. I was so mad that you picked him. He's so good. Because for once, I was like, I have one, and then you picked it. And I was like, Rachel and I agreed. Yeah, I agree. I'm agreeing with you for the fourth time already. Well, you're agreeing, but you didn't also choose them. So it's I mean, like it's a true. sacred it's bond true. of choosing the same actor. Yeah. yeah. 
I just I just love that actor in general. Like anytime mm-hmm. Hiroyuki has been in something, I'm just like, yes. Yeah, you know it's gonna be good. And you know, it doesn't matter. It was so serious. Like I believed him and his family, and I was like, this is gonna be a great movie. And for a second, I forgot that we were gonna go to Mortal Kombat. Like, yeah. we're fighting each <laughs> other, and there's a re- lightning guy or whatever. And it gets yep. kind of kind of Mortal Kombat ridiculous. Sure, sure, sure. So that is it for After Party 51 for Mummy's Mask. It's true. You can vote on the deities for on the uh, on the Reddit. And then, of course, you can talk to us on Discord and Twitter and all those yep. other places. It's true. And if anybody wants to come talk Mortal Kombat with me and Jessica, hit us up on the and Discord. Dude, we need to do a watch party of the old school Mortal Kombat from the 90s. Oh, yes! Super bad. I love that movie. Oh, my God. Or the I mean, new one. It's on HBO Max. We're, we're doing a, a fighting game. That's a fighting game. I, I can see the parallels. Sudi's <laughs> a monk. Sudi's <laughs> a monk. Wow. Yeah, there you go. You're, you're <laughs> reaching. You're reaching real we hard there. We World. What did that have to do with Pathfinder? <laughs> no, but you didn't try to equate it to Pathfinder. Jordan's no. trying to, you know, be like, hey. And I'm hey, like, no. I feel like with all the weird races and all of the strange powers people have, like, what is Outer World but Galarian? <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> That's what Outworld is Galarian. At the very end. Goodness. <laughs> wow. the tyrant in Outworld, the bad guy. Before, <laughs> before Jess, Jordan, and Rachel hurt themselves stretching to link Mortal Kombat <laughs> to the world of Galarian. Good, good luck out there, Path Folk. Get over here. Get over here. <laughs> I need to get Sudi the rope dart so he, we can do that. Yep. The next time that Sudi stuns somebody and gets ready to do it blows, I'll throw a finish. Oh, yeah. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyrighted 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.